Hey everybody, welcome to Bros, Bibles, and Beer. This is the BBB pod. This is Jeff coming to you straight from I don't know where land. I'm here with Zach. Hey Crater. everybody. Hey Zach. Hey. It's great to see you. I'm not I'm not tall anymore? You're so big. Okay. Andy McCraw, our permanent, permanent guest. Woohoo! How are you, brother? Doing good. That's fantastic. I'll take the third B of the BBB today. <laughs> yes, because oh, yeah, Scott is dead today. Well, not really. He just didn't show up. He's dead to us Thanks today. Thanks a lot, Scott. Everybody and welcome to oh, <laughs> oh my gosh! It's been a good week. It's been a good week. Has it? For me, it has. Okay, it's only Monday. Yeah, <laughs> give it a chance. Yeah, my Monday. My Monday was spent on the beach. I loaded up the surfboards and off the kids went, and uh, I just sat on the beach and watched them uh, surf all day long. It was a terrible Monday. Sarcasm. <laughs> it's a that's a good start to the week for you. <laughs> I, I oh, just okay, I, all right there. I, I need to note <laughs> that Jeff, that is so on brand. Depending on who's listening and where they are, the world's on fire, and they hear Jeff say, "It is a great week, everybody." <laughs> Welcome to Bros Bibles of Beer. Uh, yeah, today we're at the beach. Yesterday we're at the beach, and they have this little. I don't know, it's like a restaurant out by uh, you know the state beach. And you just sit and you can have some tacos and have a beer. And we had some friends down there. And it's like, come to our backyard. Let's Andy see. and I, um, I guess our invitations got lost. Uh, no, no. You just knew not. that you knew that we, like normal people, would be working. Right. Uh, but that was, that was on a Sunday. So I know you guys weren't working on Sunday. Well, maybe Andy, I don't know. Wait, demanding. You did this on Sunday or you did no, this on I, Monday? No. Well, yesterday I was beaching. Today We're I was already beaching. already time traveling. I got beached. Lies <laughs> <laughs> the beach, guys. That's the thing I want you to understand. No, you guys have busy, busy schedules. So I, I just want to, I don't want to really impede on your busy schedules, especially <laughs> for, on the weekends. I forgive you. <laughs> <clears throat> so that is a good start to the week. But no, Scott, tonight he is, um, He's busy working late for the company that's been about to fire him for about five years. And <laughs> He's been promoted 32 times. In that five years, that's a, that checks out, I think. Um, man, when you think God hates you, it, you'll just think your boss hates you. It'll bleed into every aspect of your life. So I'm going to raise my glass to Scott oh, learning yeah. how to love himself and to feel lovable so that he can love others well. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Good luck, Scott. <laughs> All right, where were we? Yeah, it's uh it's 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 the podcast. It's Monday. Things are happening. Zach, what's happening in the world? <laughs> well, cuz I'm obviously out of it hanging out at the beach every day. Well, I'm glad you asked me, Jeff. I did uh, we all saw this video. It's taking the Christian multimedia world by storm. 
That is the Phil Vischer of VeggieTales fame. And VeggieTales is coming back. I don't know if you guys heard. Was veggie is VeggieTales the are they folk are they on focus on the family? Is that is that connected? VeggieTales? Uh, I don't think so. Maybe nope. they've played them in the past. Okay. Uh, it used to be Phil's own thing. It ended up getting bought out. Actually, yeah, what bought them? Who bought them? Right now, it's NBC Universal owns it. But before, that's not how Phil sold it. Phil basically lost everything. It, like it was culminated in. The, I think the Jonah movie that they came okay. out with was yeah. a flop. Like they spent a lot on it at the time, and they were relying a lot on it as a company, and it did not do well. And so things fizzled a little bit for that, but. Um, it got bought a couple different times and now it's coming back and he's still doing the voices along with his other friends, but he doesn't own it anymore, but it is coming back. And VeggieTales, just for my clarification, just to make sure it's the kids cartoon Christian theme. Talking vegetables. Yeah. When they rebooted it a few years ago, it was controversial. And this is a hot take because they gave the vegetables eyebrows. The original vegetables did not have eyebrows. And so, which was a, they felt like the eyebrows made them too human, but they also struggled how to convey emotion in the animation. And now they have eyebrows (laughs) and it was, you know, it was really controversial. And I don't mean to start out with something that is worthy of being canceled. (laughs) I think Um, the thing that really pushed them over the edge is when they included the anatomically correct genitals. I heard that oh about the carrot on the vegetables. <laughs> on the man, what is it? Eggplant. Bob the cu- what is a cucumber? It is Bob. I think that cucumber is also a cucumber. No, it's Larry the cucumber. <laughs> He's got dual cucumbers. Is it so? That's perpendicular, right? Thank you. I don't know where you guys are going. <laughs> I'm sorry. I need to pull the record on that. I shouldn't have. I hey, shouldn't. you shouldn't. I have, apologize. I think perpendicular is a hell of a pun. <laughs> Uh, I'll receive. You guys can email me later. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. And so things are things are good, bad, or ugly for Phil. Well, he. I know he's got the podcast. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but there are some tensions in the air regarding race in this country and worldwide, even uh, especially this country. And Phil Vischer, we'll put a link in the show notes. Um, not going to play it here. I think it's like 15 minutes. He he did a uh, video called Race in America. Uh, I believe it's, if you search Holy Post, which is his podcast, Race in America, um, it, apparently it's been viewed via Facebook, YouTube, all the sources about 5 million times, which is a lot. And I think that's the biggest thing he's ever done in terms of video releasing virality. Um, but then the Christian Post interviewed him. Yep. Five million significant. And, uh, he, some of his responses, I'll post that article as well. There's a video for that interview, but they also just have the words if you want to read it. But I I did share this with my family. Um, for those that don't know, my family skews conservative politically and, uh, religiously. And you have a clip. Yeah. 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 Okay. I'll get there. Um, myself, I skew, it's complicated, if that's a box to check. In a relationship? It, it's, it's complicated. complicated. Believe in God? <laughs> it's so complicated. Cute. You guys are so cute. Conservative or liberal? <laughs> he threw the alley-oop. I had to dunk it. Yeah, Andy and I finish each other's sandwiches. 
<laughs> God bless your heart. But it, it's interesting. I shared it with, and I use that word, Jeff. I know. No, keep going. Don't be. Um, sidebar. Do you remember the etymology of you harassing me for saying interesting? Like, when did that start? I don't know, but it was interesting. Okay. <laughs> Apparently I can't use that. I can't stop using that word. Um, nothing but wrong with it. My family, um, I shared it with and they, and they, he just lays out in his video, it's facts. It's, you could quibble with some of the facts that are said to lead to another fact that leads to another fact. Like there's a conversation there I, or I could see pushback in that, but it's, it's very low on the uh, generalities and buzzwords that trip up conservative Christians when we talk about race and justice. Because if you think about social justice or it's mentioned, depending on who you are, you're going to react very differently to those terms. They, they're triggering, um, there, there are rebuttal videos to the social justice movement, whatever that is, social justice movement, as if it's like one thing, it's not. But to a lot of conservatives, it represents some one thing that is the enemy not that they don't want social justice per se, but it's like liberals are over there. We're conservative. You got to fight against that. So there's knee jerk reactions. He basically eliminated a lot of those buzzwords that are triggering and just laid out facts. And he's a really good speaker and he does a great job of uh, doing it in a way that, Hey, no matter where you're at, you can listen to it and you get something out of it. So that's his video itself. But I want to play a little clip a couple clips from the interview with Christian Post. Um, the interviewer, interviewer, um, she asked him, some people are rebutting, making arguments that there are not explicitly racist laws today, therefore there's, there's, there's no systemic racism because the laws are, don't exist. And so um, he, he has a thoughtful answer. It makes sense to argue. There's a pretty good argument to say there, there aren't. It is very hard to find explicitly racist laws today because it's illegal. You know, so even if they pop up somewhere, pretty soon somebody's going to notice and file a lawsuit and they're knocked down. Um, but that doesn't mean that there, there isn't residual racism from prior laws. So just for example, do you know why if you're an agricultural worker, you can't get unemployment insurance? No. There's no unemployment insurance for agricultural workers. Do you I know why that know is? That. Mm -hmm. Because in the question. 1930s, during the Depression, when unemployment insurance was proposed, Southern senators insisted that it be for white people only, that no black people could get unemployment insurance. And Northern senators said, no, we're not doing that. But they had to come up with a compromise. The compromise was, okay, it doesn't apply to agricultural workers or service workers, which in the South were the jobs held by black people. Yeah. So it was the same thing. It was the same result. It's not an explicitly racist law, uh, but it was done in a way that had the same impact. And we see that over and over again. There were, uh, you know, there were whites only uh, zoning ordinances in suburbs, you know, where if you oh, were yeah, a non-white family, it was again. Uh, it, it's, uh, it goes on. It's very interesting. Any thoughts on that one per se? Anybody? I didn't know that. 
I think it's fascinating the context of going back in time and where things were done when we push them into a different era, they look really different. And I could say either really good or really bad. And so that's my take on hearing from hearing the the idea that uh, there was laws like residual res, res, something residual that was a law that stuck around that feel of this happened in the past and it kind of bleeds forward. I mean, I can see that happening. We, I mean, <clears throat> in any profession or industry or whatever it might be, or, or how families do family, um, you know, things move forward in, in tradition or in just some like feel or vibe of how um, something would play out. And so I can, I can definitely, I can definitely get on board with the idea of the impact of something decades and decades ago um, than, you know, moving forward through family lineage and just the thought, like, how do you break that? I'm just, you know, take the farmer, like son will probably be a farmer and that his son will probably be a farmer. And at some point, will somebody not be a farmer? So you kind of, and that's not to do with laws, but just how things impact us naturally. Yeah. And the, the law, the law itself, um, it, what's in there is not black people can't have unemployment, but if the fruit of something, which apparently is still going on today, I guess, according to Phil right there, um, if the fruit of something is a lot of people are experiencing something that other people don't, other people are, are experiencing a lack of something that other people for different jobs, similar pays, they don't get. And the fruit of it is affecting more people than other, than not, you know what I'm trying to say? More people of a certain race than other people. That is an example of where it's not technically systemic in that it's not technically a law designed uh, explicitly to hit black people or brown people, but that is the group that it affects. And that's what you could make an argument that it was intended for that now. Today, people probably don't intend it for it, but it still reverberates and affects people today. Right. Any thoughts, Andy, on that? Or should I move on? No, let's keep going. All right, one more. Um, this is Phil uh, on the many conservative readers of the Christian Post, which I feel like it should say just the readers, the readers of, of the Christian, Christian Post. Post. Um, which I think Greg Laurie, who may or may not come up later, I think he... Reads the Christian Post? No, I think he might own oh. it. Oh, really? Or... Harvest like, my own. I feel like something CNN would be saying. Be like, All right, sources and here say, sources say you know Republicans and racists alike will be uh, voting for Donald Trump this year. What do you say, <laughs> Jeff? What do you say as a pocket? What do you say? Some say. What do I'm you say? What is said? Some say that. Uh, you're a terrible podcaster who doesn't care about the listeners' feelings. What do you say about that? Well, l let me tell you, we have some bathrooms that really need work. <laughs> did I do that well? I just, just don't, I don't answer I don't know if you did or not. I'm going to talk about the things that I want to talk about. <laughs> I want to talk about bathroom. 
reform. <laughs> yeah. When a reporter says some say instantly check out people, that means they're making it up or they might be. Okay. Uh, on the readers of Christian Post pushing back saying the gospel, quote unquote, the gospel is all we need. They're hearing a lot of listener support for that. The gospel is all we need. And that what you're sharing is the liberal agenda. What say you, Phil Vischer? It's funny, you know, and this is a little controversial to say, but it's true. We never say the gospel is all we need when we talk about abortion. We say we need, we need conservative Supreme Court justices and we need to change laws and we need new guidelines and we need new policies. Somehow when we turn the page to racism, now the gospel is all we need. And we don't need any laws. We don't need to do anything to change. Nothing needs to change in society except the heart. Uh, so, so I find it a little funny when, when we're picking the issues that we personally care about and saying we really need to be active. We need to go out. We need to go out and protest abortion. And we do. You know, I'm with you. Let's go out and protest abortion. Yeah. Uh, but then to say, oh, wait, the thing you want to protest, no, no, the gospel is all we need. Like, what? let's let's take a step back and examine that I'm, i think we might have a double standard there so i think god cares about both i think he cares about the unborn i think he cares about the the, the newborn black boy in the inner city who has a one in four chance of ending up in prison in his lifetime is more likely to go to prison than to go to college i think that breaks god's heart also you know and Thoughts, feelings, questions, snide remarks. It starts with a straw man argument, so it's hard, like you were saying. Like sources say, there's some readers who might have feel this way. Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't know who's making that argument. I, I've not heard anyone that said has said that in in the context of. I will say there were about. when I went to relook up his video, along with his original video that went viral. There's multiple rebuttals that are showing up what in the youtube comments people said no not not comments but other videos other videos of like a response to phil visher there's a lot of like you're promoting the social justice agenda which is not the gospel and we all have friends in here that would say the gospel is social justice and everything in between so and then maybe we skipped over this a little bit but what is what is he promoting? Because we didn't necessarily get to what he's promoting. He's in this particular video. Well, I, I guess we have two videos going on now, so we're going to have to bounce between the two of them. Well, the, the the Holy Post video that he put out on race in America exploded, and so he's being asked to talk about it further and to talk about some of the feedback he's getting. And so a lot of the feedback... Um, apparently he's done, he said enough or the, the race conversation has become so polarized that to come out and appear like you're on one side or the other means you're all the way over there and the other side just wants to eject it. And so he's, he's experiencing some conservative pushback. I had a family member say, is he, is he more liberal now? And I'm like, no, I don't think so. And you hear that, like he's totally pro-life. You hear that clip. It's the thing is it's complete. He goes on in that video or in that interview, not his original, his response to really critique the left and the right for hearing certain things 
and then automatically putting the barriers up. Nope, I will not listen to this because that's the liberal agenda. Or you said this, and that sounds conservative, so that's got to be wrong and racist. And he's he's trying to go that third way, which I really appreciate. And that's that's the main thing that drew me to that interview, which is like 25 minutes long. Mm. So it's, there's a lot in there. So I, I'm just coming, I'm in a place right now where I, I do not like, uh, part partisanship is evil and must be fought against. And it exists in all of us to varying degrees, but partisanship equal. If it's somebody says something that they're part of, they're liberal self-proclaimed or otherwise, therefore, Oh, that's the liberal thing. So I'm not going to think about that. I don't need to think hard about that and vice versa. It goes both ways. Yeah. Yeah. I watched the video, the, the original one that he was being interviewed on and, and it's, it is interesting because I, and I've, I've tried to watch quite a few different videos of, uh, of varying sides being represented, <laughs> varying partisan <laughs> sides being represented. And, and so there's a, there's probably like versions of debunking insert whatever the other person's side is yeah. right, video. Um, and I always think those are interesting cause I want to, uh, I'm hoping that they will bring data and facts to the table and explain like why they think they're debunking a thing. Um, but, but usually what I've found is where people have a conflict when they're trying to examining when they're trying to examine historical uh, laws and, and specifically with systemic racism, it comes down to interpreting um, uh, uh, what the effect was of that thing at the time and then what the effect of, uh, is of that thing now. So it, Jim Crow laws then, and did that, did that leave an imprint or set a, a effectively set the destination for a people for right forever. That, that's what I was mentioning earlier. I, I, I believe there is, I mean, there is an impact where you it's, if you go back to the beginnings of this country, any country um, or any community, you're going to have a, 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 I don't know, a, a middle class and upper class. You're going to have a, um, a community that there is, uh, if you go to certain places not too far from here, uh, it might be an, a real um, big Asian community. If you go to LA, and I think I might have said this last podcast, I mean, depending on where you are, people settle in a place and they put up shop and they and people that they have similarities with, they that's they're like, hey, you go to LA, that's where you know so and so in our brother and sister. Yeah. And, and so we, we, we migrate to those places. If we if we move and way back when that's what happened and things got set and then they move forward. And, yeah. and so I can, I can see where people be like, this is not fair. I'd be like, but, but things started here and I'm not exactly sure how things change in a, when things were going in started here are going in this direction. Yes, there are, if you are a certain person that believes in something or maybe you're a certain color or ethnicity, uh, you may feel like you're not a part of that community 
because of the majority you see. Um, I, I'm you're talking about like natural tribal. There, there's an there's an inclination for people to join up for people with people that look like them or believe the same things. That's natural, and I, so I'm I don't disagree with what you're saying. It might be well. I think it's incomplete. And I, I don't want to. It's a little off topic, but I'm trying to make the no. It, show I don't the think example. it is off topic. I think it, I think it's a good example. There there is that there is. If certain people that don't look like you or act like you or maybe they let's just take language. If everybody speaks a different language and more and more people move into your neighborhood, the fact that you might want to go to a place where you could connect better with people because it's given your family and your job life, learning a new language is not really going to happen. It would be natural for you to gravitate towards people that are like you. I don't think that's a problem. Um, But St. Louis is a good example of uh, the pat in the, in the past supreme racism when it comes to like literal blocks when black people would start to move into blocks, like the white people would just move. And it's, it's like documented where there was, it's not just, um, just minor differences here and there. It's like, it was, it's pretty racist. And I can't speak expertly on redlining. Is it though? Well, redlining was racist. Like there was actual laws that was different than what you started. But it it totally is. It's different. White white people seeing black people move into their neighborhood and them leaving. I'm relying, I will admit I'm relying on a, some say, <laughs> but I do know somebody that comes from St. Louis and grew up there and that they, they have tests and they are uh, pretty conservative theologically and politically, but they will attest to the racist past of St. Louis. And I'm relying on that. Um, and I don't have studies to show you guys, but redlining is separate, but it is a thing where it literally certain people could get, could get lo- cheaper loans or get subsidized to move in. And they were not black. Black people didn't have access to that. That doesn't quite exist now, but there's a reason that things are seg- Certain neighborhoods are segregated. And now I'm punching way, I'm speaking way above my pay grade, but I wanted to just add that what you're saying is not wrong. The tribalism, it's natural. Um, Why do you have to call it tribalism? Well, tribal. Well, that's negative. Is that negative? Tribalism? It's more like I don't know. I'm one eighth American Indian, so it's fine. The I am you, moving. People <laughs> want to know, Jeff, if somebody enters here, the, I'm talking this undisclosed location, and comes in, and they're a foreign. It's like an ant. You you would become like an antibody, or they're an antibody. I don't know science. Fire. I was told there was no science. I, I, don't, I don't. I don't know what you're trying to say. I'm they, trying to imagine the scenario where we, this happens. Let's just say we are a tribe. Bros, Bible's beer. We're a tribe. We are. Somebody comes in and it's foreign, and we're like Andy. Even if they don't, Andy was foreign. I infected. Keep you Keep going all. though. Keep yeah. going. But we developed antibodies, and now we tolerate Andy. <laughs> there we go. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> Thank big, you. 
because I've plied you with whiskey. Tongue in cheek. Tribalism well, he looks like us. I think is the there's an evolutionary pull okay. towards being around okay. who you're Hold comfortable on. with and who you're well, safe with. And that 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 extends into all kinds of things. And I think a that million things. We try to we try to dumb it down just into you look like me and therefore um, right. that's why I feel like but but in reality it shows up in all kinds of ways. Like Musicians like to hang out with musicians. Comedians hang out with comedians. We we sounds like you're describing us, Andy. Gravit- <laughs> <laughs> tall people like to hang out with tall people. Yeah. No doubt. You, I walked. There was but, people you just don't hang out with because I'm like mm, probably not gonna. And you, but you put that in yourself. You put that in yourself when you're like, uh, they probably won't like me. Like it, back in it can become the lens you look through, right? But I yeah. think everybody does that. Like Andy's saying. I mean, people gravitate. You're not wrong. They see it. They're like, oh, I'm going to go over and say it's, hello. It's and easier. See what we have in common. It's easier to f- and more comfortable to find commonalities with other people than it, than not. Whatever that commonality is. And I, I don't want this to be interpreted as your skin looks like mine. Therefore, we're the same. Like, no way, man. There's a bunch of white people I really don't like. Like, it yeah. doesn't have to do with your skin. And it yeah. doesn't even have to do with there's a lot of white people. Like you're saying, it's... It might have to do people, with who's not here there's, tonight, there's, host-wise. <laughs> oh, there's, people that, there's people that I've come across that I do not like. I don't need to say if they're brown or, or beige or black or white. I just... There are people that... I mean, in everybody's lives, there's people that you're like, I don't like that person or those people over there. Zach, you have a question. I do have a question. Zach raised his hand. What are the chances that we see some sort of future where before the judge signs the marriage certificate or the appropriate clergy or however that works? I've been married for so long, guys. I don't remember. Continue. Um, (laughs) You have to demonstrate that you have sampled all aspects of the dating pool to prove that you are not discriminating against your spouse. Is that a possibility? Yes or no in the future? Is this, is this an, (laughs) (laughs) we need to move on. We need to move on. So I, uh, two things that stuck out to me in this are number one, um, it's not, it's naturally not comfortable to to have your beliefs challenged. And so we as humans just don't gravitate towards those situations. Doesn't mean it's not good. Um, we should do that and we should embrace those things. And I think it's also like it? tied to the current culture, which is a, the most extreme version of not being comfortable with disagreeing with other people that, I, that maybe the world has ever seen. This seems like we're at in the height of... Um, not being okay with disagreeing about things and, and having differing opinions on things. It is instant, Absolutely. instant demonization of the other party instead of going like, Hey, you can believe one thing. I can believe another thing. And that's okay. It doesn't make you a terrible per- Well, I guess there's a certain point where we can all agree that there are things like, do you want to torture babies? Okay. Well, that. That that's, 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 that's that, that that one's always bad. But are you actually torturing babies? Oh, okay. The other thing, though, that I that I kept thinking of was, so what? Like, I kept trying to think of what was Jesus go to um, in, in red, these types of situations? Wine. Was he was he always like he seemed to have this balance between the disciples, his his twelve that he hung with, and like it seems like he got recharged there, and then it was. Every 
walk of life, every person, no level of discrimination, high, low, whatever color. And he Often was in the worst. Yeah. And he was engaging with them on a very, very personal level. And so I have this theory that social media has given us uh, as a society, the ability to just lob grenades over the fence from a distance and never engage directly with someone and say things that we would have never said and not say things that we should be saying to each other's faces. I think, yeah, yeah. I think this needs to end, but I'm going to continue it because I like the thought of on social media. Some people have like 40,000 friends and, but they're not friends. Your friends are the people that you have good conversations with, the people that you you know break bread with, the people you hang out with on the weekends or at a podcast. Um, we have friendships, we have community, but outside of that, on social media, we everybody seems to think they have a voice and they don't have a voice. So lobbing grenades and then letting it explode and people go ballistic because they feel like they're being heard nobody's really being heard. They're just getting to say their opinion and they feel like they have friends out there. And, and so it's, everything is, it's not a a fraud. That's probably the wrong word, but it's nothing's happening. It's just a lot of people yelling on social media and feeling like they believe you get, you get the, um, you get your group of friends that will affirm it and you get a dopamine hit from that. And you get the people most people don't care or won't comment or they care, but they just don't want to comment. They're not going to enter that minefield. And then you get the other side, which is going to come at you hard. And even if that upsets you, you're still getting a dopamine. That's the, that's the devil in the details with this whole thing. And with partisanship in in general is you, it's like a drug that gets released in your brain if you that reinforces your own beliefs. Okay, which is why when Annie brings up watching stuff from different sides, that's that's hard work because it's it can be uncomfortable. If you take this back to the original, like, is there a residual impact moving forward in things when we look at like? I'm, the dopamine thing. Like I want my, you know, that feeling people set things, you know, laws. So those laws may work for them. You know, look at tax code. It's as big as this room. Um, But those things impact in the now and then, or the then, and then they move forward and they impact in the now. Um, The social media thing is no different than going back I mean, you are just playing to your your people, wh- whoever they are. Uh, I have a theory about this, though, but I'll pose it in a question. So, do you think do you think that people now have a stronger need to be heard than before? Zach, Zach, go ahead. Why'd you laugh when you said my name? Is it, <laughs> because is it I'm funny? fully loaded Am on I that funny? question. Um, do I think, repeat the question. Do, do you I think, think, do you think okay, that, I'm taking this then. <laughs> do you think that people have a stronger need or believe they have a stronger need to be heard now? Yeah, I think there's a weird culmination of things. I'm not sure that's the right word to use, but there's con- it, almost like a paradox of events where you simultaneously have 
access to everything and to connect to everything, but you never feel more alone. And I don't know how to quite describe that. I'm kind of coming up with that with that in the fly. So you, everything you do on social media for some people, you know, some of you guys are actually saving the world. Thank and you. if you're listening to this and this hurts, then assume it's you. You're saving the world. That's fine. Thank you, Tom's Shoes. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Tom's Shoes is problematic. And let me tell you. But um, you, I think there's a need to be heard and to to make a difference. And I think that's always existed. Is it different now is my question. We have more access and more ability to make a difference. Whether or not you actually make a difference we have more you, ability yeah, that's to, not the question. to feel like we're making a difference. You think you're answer? being, you think you're being heard. You're not being heard. No, I, I got it. And I think that's, I agree. And I, I'm trying to, but that's my answer to the question. Yeah. I think we have, we have, we've never had more of an ability to feel like we're being heard, but the ultimate fruit of that being heard may be more, it might matter more to you than it does in the actual reverberations of the world, but I'm open to critique. It falls on deaf ears. How are my hands held, Jeff? Yeah, open. Okay. In social media, when... (laughs) I'm open to critique. You you ask the question, do, is it, do people... Do people feel, feel is there a stronger need now to feel heard than has ever existed before? There's so much rhetoric out there. And people think that by posting, they're being heard. I think there's a lot of people that feel like they were left out and they now feel like, oh, I can, I'm now a part of it, but they're really not a part of it. Um, I don't think anybody's really a part of it. They're just, they see themselves like kind of reality TV, like I'm, I'm in this, I'm in this with these people. And really the person who's shouting, you know, with their, their messages online, they have, they're just, they're the same as you. They're just, they have the opportunity and they put it there and they know, well, there's people out there that are actually seeing my words. And some people respond, I, the dopamine thing, like how many likes did I get? How many comments were made? Um, I mean, I've been sucked into that. And actually, it doesn't even feel good. I'm like, I don't even want to know what people are saying. Because, you know, but, you know, that is, I think there's a brokenness that's been exponentially growing in the world of needing to be heard because there's nobody listening. People stopped connecting and social media is actually creating and as a catalyst to the lack of connection as hurting community and society. And, and now in these last few months, you actually have captured a moment in time where people are totally disconnected yeah. and now there's serious problems. Maybe. Well, oh, go ahead. Uh, oh, I do. I think that there is uh, I think there's an even deeper, more fundamental problem that um, that I'm not sure if this is a this feels like a chicken or the egg situation, but I do feel like it feeds and has created uh, more narcissism uh, in in the world than ever before, which takes it to the it's it's the extreme it's it's beyond I want to be heard it's that um, well, I, I say, should yeah. I should be heard and I am being heard and the things that I'm saying are important. I say narcissism came first. <laughs> 
It did, but but like, what was the? There's a lot. What was the catalyst? And maybe, and obviously, yeah, obviously, narcissism existed before. But if you look back and like think about the the industrial age and the print age, and um, and how those things were like kind of controlling the levels of communication, not industrial, but print age, like controlling how communication. We went from uh, I, I can tell you a story, and then you can tell someone else that story. And then it went to, we can reproduce something exactly and print it and now disseminate that, but it's still minimized. And the voices that can be shared through there are also minimized. So we've democratized um, in the information age and made this available for anyone to effectively have a platform or a megaphone, so to speak, to start sharing their stuff. Much like you think about like streaming services versus in the 1950s up through maybe the mid nineties. Well, whatever, all the way up until the mid nineties before there were streaming services that existed, bands had to go through the gatekeepers of the record labels. And for the most part, like while it eliminated probably a ton of music that we could have heard, um, when you go back and you listen, like you listen to music in the fifties and sixties and for the most part, it's all pretty dang great. It's all pretty fantastic. And you had gatekeepers that were doing that. Now, today, we we overall have way more music to be able to listen to. It's at our fingertips. Bear with me. This is a long analogy. But the idea is that we have more good stuff and we have way more bad stuff because the gatekeepers are gone. And in, and in the same way, the gatekeepers of information are kind of gone. I know that there's some arguments where this mm-hmm. will break down a little bit and we can talk about censorship of things, but, uh, but what that, what that does is, uh, and I'll culminate it with this. It just reminds me of American Idol when Simon Cowling would get up there and someone would or go, Cowell, Cowell, Simon Cowell, Cowell. Cowell? Yeah, it's yeah. Cowell, the British guy. Yeah. And he would crush people. Yeah. And, and that's what we all like originally tuned in to see. We're like, oh my gosh, let's see the great people and let's see someone just get demolished because we like to see a car crash and slow down. And, and then occasionally it, somebody would break out, William yeah. Hung. <laughs> <laughs> the best of the worst. But so many times my response to that was Simon is saving people's lives. Oh, yeah. Because they are... Reality check. Exactly. They came in disillusioned and believing and it was, maybe it was... uh misinformation maybe it was narcissism but they thought Dunning Kruger they thought they were fantastic I don't know who that is but that name alone tells me that they're terrible it's the Dunning Kruger effect it's where it's it, it you are describing when you're talking about American Idol at the beginning when people think they're great it's like it's like the less yeah. you know about it very generally it's, the less you know about something the more you think you know about it and conversely like the experts in the fields will admit to all their questions because with each new discovery unlocks a lot of questions. So it's basically, if you're ignorant about something, a lot of times you might feel like you know more than you do. That's most of the internet right now. Or it's, it's having a lack of introspection and, and perspective and, that not, too. and not realizing like, Hey, you're just not that good. Yeah. And so that's it. There's no one, there's no version of that necessarily on the internet these days. 
well, sorry, I don't want to be so broad as to say the internet, but let's just pick on social media platforms, again, where people believe that they have a voice and now it's feeding this idea that they need to be heard because the things that they're saying they believe are good things to be said. And, and other people are affirming them, yeah. even though they're not and a part of the be, conversation. Yeah. And they may be, and they're feeding those things and it kind of, we've come full circle now to tribalism, which is how it feeds on itself and mm-hmm. and perpetuates the problem. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know what my question was originally, but... I don't, uh, well... I don't. It was a very interesting question. Before we move on, um, I I think I briefly mentioned it once before, but there's somebody that I know in person and in the digital sphere. You know somebody physically outside of us? Yeah, Facebook friends in real life. You guys aren't real, are you? I didn't think you guys were real. Anyways, hold on. I got to pay another fifty cents for my avatar to stay online. Yeah, I was three D printed. My consciousness was put inside of my brain. Wow. Have you watched Upload? Yes. Oh. And you chose to 3D print yourself with sweatpants? What the <laughs> hell, Jeff? Wait. Sorry. Um, almost universally. We're I've, out of red ink. What? <laughs> no! <laughs> For the listener, Jeff likes to wear red. He likes lots of red. But he's not wearing any red tonight. No red. Some people might think Trump. Mm, those in the know might think Nebraska. Hmm. Or maybe a little bit of both. Go Who knows? Go Oscars. Um, so I, I do notice there is almost universal in my social feeds and on Twitter, even people I don't know, will periodically say, man, social media is tough. You need to take a break. I'm taking a break. And no matter the what you believe about anything. Like the need to take a break because it is crazy shit out there. Sorry, Scott. Is that worthy no, of No, keep an going. E? Keep going. But, Don't let Scott detract you. So it's a universal known that you got to take a break because it's not good for you. However. What's not good for you? Social media consumption. Well, when you are engaging and you're in the. It's like a drug. You're in the back and forth. Really bad drug. Um, you the, mean like, like uh, toxic engagements on social media? Yes, which is a lot of it right now. Yeah. So there's a, a near universal call to take a break, have some you time, get, pl- unplug, and that's good. Everybody recognizes it. But I think this touches on your question. This person I know that's a smart person interrupted their public break because they declared they were taking a break. Yeah. And then they redeclared, I thought I was taking a break because I need it. But then. This asshole, referring to Trump, and he posted it. They posted it with an article. This asshole Trump went and did this with a short sentence on how Trump's an asshole racist. Now I'm not saying whether he is or isn't an asshole racist, but what was fascinating to me is that this person with maybe a few hundred. And this is not like a dig. It's like most people have a few hundred friends on Facebook needed to come out of his self-imposed Facebook hiding to come out to declare to the world, like, you need me to say this and post this article. And so I'm not saying anything yay or nay on the content of that, but it's just the concept of feeling the need to be heard and feeling like you, the world needs this. There's some narcissism in that. Yeah, and it, it broke my heart a little bit because I... I know the person That's good. a little bit in person and they're, they're not that in person. They're not like that in person. You, you kind of gl- 
glossed over it a little bit, but when you said it's not just that they, it is not just needing to be heard. It's that the world needs to hear this. And, and the, and it's maybe a little his, more on the latter. His comment was close to that, like the world. Well, and, and I'm not, I won't even just, and he this. might be right. Maybe, like maybe his, if his message was correct, the world would need to hear it. I'm not saying whether, but the fact that he felt the need to, he was taking a break because he's not doing, he needs the break because by definition, you're not doing well by going full throttle all the time. Well, yeah. And, and I don't know if we should do another turn on this, but, but at the end of the but day, we're gonna, I just dribbled on my shirt. I know. At the end of the day, uh, people don't get convinced to change their minds via social media. That doesn't happen. And, and when you say that to anybody, no one looks at you and is like, what? No, let me cite the many times where I've completely changed people. I do have one example. Yeah, you've got one. <laughs> you've got the one. Well, it was how this, it was how this person changed. And even then, I, the conversation in person got interrupted. Okay, you yeah. have an exception, but let's call that an edge case. All right, all right, all right. In let's general, people don't change their minds. I agree with that. Right. Well, kind of, actually... How about just period? People don't tend to change their minds, but even less so on social media. Do they, do they change their minds? And, and so it doubles down for me on the example that you give, which is not a unique example. There's millions and millions of versions of that same example. I've seen it by other people that I know. So my own personal anecdotal evidence points to that too, but it comes back to, the world needs to hear this mm-hmm. and that I'm the one to deliver it. And I will tell you, and like, I just don't know if this is, I don't know if we've ever experienced the concentration of that feeling never in the world ever, ever, ever. I think evolutionary, which evolutionarily we are trying to catch up as, as a species, like catch up to what we have all this information coming in at the same oh. time. There's so much access to everything that we haven't. We're going through growth pains because we're doing this thing that this, you made me think of a podcast called the pessimist archives, which goes over all technologies, simple or not the bicycle, yep. the waltz, um, the horse and buggy, the car, Everything and social media is probably included in that. But when you look at the past and you read the response, the, the printing right, press, right. The, the arguments against the printing press read like modern arguments against, we need to taper, we need to watch out for social media because it's going to ruin the world. The same arguments were, were being made against the printing press. Now, the argument's still out on social media on how much adjusting needs to, be, needs to happen. But with new technologies... It's always, it's a, it's built into humanity that the world is going to end because of this thing, because you're changing a norm. So I think that's interesting. And I think that flows right into one of our other topics that we were going to chat about. Finally, this was great, but we went longer than we planned. Which, which is based around this idea that there are some people who are kind of trying to reject, um, newer technologies, cultural norms, et cetera. And um, finding solace and joy and recognition in uh, some of the older 
rituals and traditions, um, specifically with Christianity. And so I'll, uh, I found this article recently and, and I'll give the, uh, I'll give the title of the article, which is weird Christianity in quotes and why young people are embracing orthodoxy online and in the church. What's the source? Uh, this is on abc.net.au. I guess that's Australia. Australia. Wow. Wow. Down under. Guys, we have global reach with our podcast, and so we are going to take global sources for our content. Yep. So, my buddy Scott in Australia, I'm going to text you after this episode and really make sure that you listen, and I'd like to get some confirmation. And then the following episode, we'll find out if this is really happening in Australia. But I've heard this in other places, too, um, which is this sort of trend with um, actually younger people. Um, enjoying and engaging in and finding meaning in like highly liturgical ritual based. Um, and I mean that in the more positive sense, ritual based, um, ortho, orthodoxical, not a word, uh, well, services well, and, and activities like Gregorian chants and, um, incense. Yes. And incense. And it's weird. It's it's can we, like can we talk about the word wafting for a second? No, I'm just kidding. I like that word. But um, but part of it, like, uh, without going into the article too much yet, I, I will call out that there's a tweet here from someone who uh, looks like they're probably in their 20s to 30s, millennial age, relatively. Ooh, that could be Gen Z. And it could be Gen Z. And. Uh, and what's interesting about it is that the way they described it, this person says, I understand the pushback about Christianity not being quote unquote weird or punk or whatever, but I consume the body of, and blood of Christ and regularly meditate on my death. I don't know what that means, um, but I like it, which at least seems to unnerve some people, including, including fellow Christians. So... Um, but what the what this article gets into is it says that younger people are flocking to late night Latin mass, which would be um, Latin mass, I believe. Jeff is a former Catholic. That's where you go to mass, and it's all done in in Latin. And I think the the oh, that's um, good to know because I thought the priest sings those lines like okay. like right. Sorry, no, I thought it was I thought it was just describing a city in Boston. But <laughs> keep going. Latin, comma, Massachusetts. Dad jokes. Listen here. Yeah, the Catholic. We the, got all kinds of church going on. <laughs> right. It's exactly. the best church of all the churches. Irish Catholic. All yes. Right. Strongest there, in Latin mass. There definitely Listen, was. Welcome to Latin mass. A lot of traditions. It's late and you're probably coming from the bar. It's late in mass. Um, so, so it says younger people are flocking to late night <laughs> so Latin stupid. mass. I don't know what Latin means. I don't know. Because you said it was late, and so I tried to combine oh, the two. Okay. If I have to explain it, I did a terrible job before. Um, we'll definitely edit that. Uh, Gregorian chants, Renaissance choral music, and incense wafting from a metallic censer, uh, C-E-N-S-E-R. I think that's the thing that they kind of, uh, that a, a priest will hold and kind of... Um, Jangles it back and forth. Wags it back and forth. That's the wrong term. That sounds bad, but you know what I mean. Yeah. I went to Swings a Greek. It. I went to a Greek Orthodox church, and they were doing the swinging, and the yeah. the, the the smoke was it was the in the smell was so strong. I got a headache. I'm like, this is not a good Christmas midnight mass here. I'm having trouble here. At 15 years old. I'm gonna die. Yeah, your headache was definitely the Holy Spirit saying you should leave and yeah. never come back. Yeah, Greek Orthodox bad. 
So one of the descriptions says that one of the factors uniting this community is their punk-like rejection of contemporary secular capitalist culture in favor of old-fashioned Christianity. Ooh, shots fired. Man. I like that. That gives me a spiritual boner. Mm. Harkens back to the late 90s Tooth & Nail Records label where we got to all of a sudden have punk rock music. Oh my as, God, did as, we ever. As Christians. This is like, and now they're all atheists. Well, I, I feel like I, I'm on Footloose here. This is part three. <laughs> and here's the bit. Squad Five O's song, uh, We Rule the Night. I remember that being like, what? They're talking about ruling the night? I thought that was... Satan's place. That's what the devil does. That's the devil rules the night. It's the devil's domain. How can we be ruling the night? But I kind of like it. And it seems anthemic. And it's definitely punk rock. Well, it's a little glam. You guys have both stared at me while you've talked like that. And it's yeah. very disturbing. Yeah, we're, call- we're sucking you into it, too. You can start talking like this, too. Yeah, that's Andy's inner monologue. Come on. Don't, Don't judge him for it. Let's play some Quiet Riot. All right, let's play Quiet Riot. <laughs> what is that? I'm getting higher in pitch. <laughs> Uh, but what do you guys think is what do you think is drawing um, is drawing people Satan? in this age group away <laughs> there from there is a drop of you saying that somewhere <laughs> away from contemporary uh, like uh, let's say contemporary mega churches into um, very traditional liturgical ritual based Christian um, Christianity what, what do you think is is causing that. Andy, it sounds like you're becoming a great podcast pod, pod, um, podcast host because that's a great question. I'm one of the best perd kisters ever. Um, I got thoughts, <laughs> and they're coming out right now. Uh, the thing I want to say is this: what I want to say, purred happily <laughs> from Park, Parks, Parks and Rec. And Rec. <laughs> uh, which have you started watching that, Jeff? I don't know, but it seems like they're the the there's this traditional thing that they're going to. And yeah. I don't know if it's because they're searching for meaning or what's going on right now is BS and we need something else. And I'm just not sure what that is, but I'd love to hear Zach. Would you have predicted ideas. that? Would you have predicted this? <laughs> not at all. And conversely, if you could play us, go totally hypothetical, Jeff. And same question for Andy. It's my life. What if you were going to leave the evangelical church for something older, more mystical, more ritualistic, we can define those terms later. Why would you leave? Like right now, if there was one thing. Not what would you leave for, but why? Yeah. Well, I think maybe they're in the same ballpark. Yeah. No, phrase it better if I'm. I like that. I've I've got some uh, bullet bourbon and an arrogant bastard. Okay, so I'm thinking, my communication skills. So, church beefs, church beefs. One, da, da, da. one. I get to the point where the idea of what's going on in society right now, we're being authentic. I mean, it's it's across the country. We're being authentic and real, and it would be I would leave because, okay, you call bullshit. Everybody is doing this, and it's this is yeah, this is uh, fraudulent. I mean, we're back to. BSing each other and believing ourselves. If it got to that point, I would leave and go more. I could, I mean, I wouldn't, but I could see going more. I wouldn't go traditional. 
I mean, I wouldn't go back to like, I'm going back. But to just the a roots. change, maybe, sure. maybe a decent change in your spiritual yeah. practice. Andy, That's it's tough. good. Yeah. I'm going to call you out for asking a question to my question and diverting my question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to go back because I didn't answer and I was, I was stalling yeah. a little bit. No. And you had something. Chambered. I got thoughts. You were, you were chambered and it's really yeah. coming. Like what is, what it was, what is triggering this event? And then I'll answer your question. I mean, it's just like COVID where it's really a small amount of people and we're really just talking about something that doesn't really exist or, or, or <laughs> well, no, actually, it doesn't mention, it doesn't mention the, this necessarily in this article, but Barna and other groups are tracking people who declared oh. that there are none like oh. under religion or what you believe it's none. And it's not that they're becoming atheists. It's that they're not like, Oh, I, I'm not going to say I'm Christian. Because I don't, I see oh, what N O N E, not N U N. Yes, yes. Um, good clarification, Andy. I honestly uh, you don't already know knew what that, that clearly, is. but uh, I don't know what that is. I don't know why people would. Flo- I don't know why young people would flock to a traditional, old school Catholic. Well, yeah. Do you think that it's any of this could be related to wanting something real and tangible in the physical world? Because so much of their world has been wrapped into online. Uh, false reality, stuff that they can't touch, feel, and engage with. And they're looking for something that is a little more visceral, a little more physical. And Okay, so explain the evangelical church. I just want to say, Andy just took what was going on in my head, and he wrapped those thoughts... Synthesized it. in, ...in a fluffy flour tortilla and presented it to you as a delicious question burrito. Go ahead, Jeff. It's got a hot sauce. (laughs) I don't know. You just ruined the whole, I can't think now. Question burrito. Right. I do think people, sorry, you were, were you back on? I don't know. Well, so let me, let me, uh, let me reiterate that. I, it feels like there's a connection between people's. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. And I was asking you about the the evangelical thing. The time spent on on things that exist in the digital world versus the time spent on things that exist in the physical world. And I wonder if this is a reaction to try to counterbalance their lives in a way to go, gosh, I exist in so many things in the digital world, which may or may not have meaning. Uh, and and they, can so only, good. they can only affect one part of me, literally just a single part of my brain versus now I can get this full sensory engagement on in in a ritual that gets my senses my sight my smell sounds all of these things start engaging at the same time and there's something that's attractive about that (laughs) that's great (laughs) (laughs) i i i I am calling and not that it's your belief. I mean, you're just throwing it out there. My blood flip. For the I'm record, B- Andy. BS. Oh, BS on that. Like I, I, the thing with the thing with Christ is we have this. Like I am all in. I'm with God. I'm gonna live this life, and a church, whether it's the evangelical church or Presbyterian or Lutheran or Catholic. Going into needing, like, I need this, I need this. This is such an American thing. I need, I need, and I want to take and take. It's like, no, you're not, 
you're not in this and why they're gravitating, why some are gravitating, you know, at this like generation Z or whatever you want to call it. But aren't you doing that? Going into that Isn't Zach is doing not that? because is Don't not, bring me into this. Am no, I doing it's, that? It's not, no, 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 no. Why do you go to Mountain View? I found community. Whoa, that's and, what you wanted? It was filling your bucket? Like, that's just a version oh, of what you just, you just described. No, 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 Jeff. <laughs> no, that's not a, it's not a trap. It's, it's different when you go and you're, you're talking about this. They needed this physical, you're, but you're taking a, a, you're theorizing whether, oh, and I'm not exactly, exactly sure what the difference is between the evangelical and I'll say exactly like a very traditional, um, church service looks like and what's the difference uh yes the dress is different the environment the walls are different um but there's not much difference when it comes down to when you leave there it better not have just been a sunday thing cuz you could do that at any church in this country and then walk out and do your monday through saturday it's the monday through saturday that matters. Like, are you, are you the hands and feet of Jesus or are you just showing up on Sunday and you're like, this feels good. Cause that sounds like the millennial, you know, black hole that people put them in. They're yeah. like, this is what you're like. And you're just looking for something that's, that has no meaning. That's funny, but that doesn't what Oh, okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I, a couple of things that I thought about was the, the ritual aspect of it's easy to see ritual in older church or high church, Catholic Methodist. As in it's more obvious. It's more obvious. Um, The modern American evangelical church and caveat don't, this is not necessarily a critique, although I could go there, but that's not my intention for this specific comment that, the modern American church makes it easy to check a box. I went to church. I took my family. Um, I'm doing good things for my kids because they're there. They're learning about God. Ultimately, I'm checking a box. It's easy to check out of the ritual. But the people that are in it, Jeff, I've seen you. I've seen you do the touchdown stance when you're praising. I have seen it. I've wanted to take a picture. I should take a picture. I've seen, what's the move where you're wide? You're not just holding a TV. You're going wide when you're praising God to music. You're in it. When you were in it, um, I'm listening. <laughs> you are engaging in ritual and you're comfortable with it. I think, I think the difference is you get into, when, you, when something is not your normal pattern of worship, or experiencing God, you can see it like, oh, they're doing those things because they feel like they have to. And so you miss the beauty of the high church and these things are tangible. And speaking from personal experience, the desire to, when you struggle with, personally, when you struggle with a faith experience that I can really nail down, because right now I feel like I can't, um, the desire to go and do a practice of worship is high. And it, I think not that all these people are there and, or all these people are super doubters, but for me personally, 
going to a church where you're doing these very tangible, you smell it, like Andy was saying, you you taste it, uh, you share tasting it. Well, up until COVID, you would share tasting, you would actually <laughs> share the same cup, uh, depending on the church. But the desire to experience that and practice your faith when maybe your faith your, your, the faith of your childhood where, oh, it's true because it is. When, when you lose that, the desire for a, a high church, Eastern Orthodox or Catholic, I could see the desire to experience that and the sights, the smells, the feels. And I think the modern American church evangelically, they're doing similar things. It's just different, but we just don't see it as mysterious and mystical and maybe even weird is there anything wrong with uh, people engaging in these kinds of activities if it's bringing them closer to God? Not at all. No. Keep it simple. Jeff, and one thing I thought of, too, as you were I'm talking— I'm not saying that anyone's in, implying that, though. Yeah. No, it's, it's a good question. Um, but, Jeff, I thought of this, too, when you were talking. You're, you have a superpower, and that's your experience. And we've kind of made fun of it a couple of times, like Jeff, Jeff, Mr. Experience Jeff Pearson, he experiences it, therefore it's true. But it is a superpower. It's one that I, I don't think, and this isn't, isn't a dig, and I don't think he would disagree. Scott doesn't have that. He doesn't have the experience thing. And so he drills down into the physical word, uh, what he would call the word of God. I would just call it the Bible written by humans, but whatever. Um, he, that's how he experiences God. He feels like he can know God through what has been recorded in the Bible. And I wish he would have a taste of what you have, Jeff. And, and Jeff, maybe you need a little bit of the other. I don't actually, I wouldn't say need. I don't think you need it. I think you're doing just fine because you are predominantly focused on loving people around you in the here and now. And that's a beautiful thing. But the danger, the downside of all, every superpower has a downside. And I think the downside of experience only is, and I am not accusing this of you, Jeff, or you of this, Jeff, is the downside of experience only. And like the Bethel people have it, a guy that might Build come your own up religion is that, Oh, this is how I experience God. If people aren't doing this, if they are not doing worship, like I do it because I'm definitely experiencing God and those people aren't doing it like this, or I'm visiting this church and they didn't do music in the way that, that I experienced God, that therefore they are not, or they're, they're not experiencing God or they're staffing the Holy spirit. That is a problem and it ignores a broad swath of humanity. The way people experience the divine throughout history is a fascinating study that deserves, well, so much time that we don't have, but people hear from God and we need to hear from people that hear from God differently. We're here from not God. I maybe, agree. They don't, maybe they don't I agree say there. it's God, but if all truth is God's truth or all truth is the universe's truth, I'm doing bunny ears. However you experience absolute truth, we need to hear from each other. And I think these people, whoever they are in the article, 
there's definitely a movement of people and young people away from organized church. Although this article is like, they're getting back into organized church just in a different way. I think it's because it's not that people don't have the big questions in life about what, what does this mean? Why are we here? All those big questions. It's just that what they were brought up in is not satisfying and is closed off to other ideas. And so they leave. Well, and those comments about it being the new punk rock too, there some, lots of us are just wired that way. Like I, I gotta, I gotta go against the grain. Sorry. Yeah. This is what my parents liked. I'm out. Oh uh, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's a combination of all those things. I think we all occasionally, yeah, I don't know. Turn Jeff just turned fan. on the fan. Other one. There we go. Oh. No, it's all right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> some behind the scenes brought to you by Eric and Bastard Ale, Stone Brewing Company. <laughs> yeah, I think we all encounter these different variations. I'd be curious to see what would happen, you know, like how long these things last. I remember once in college I went to, uh, actually it was in Capitol Hill, home of Chaz. Oh, actual, like not Capitol Hill, Washington, D.C., but Capitol, Capitol Hill, Hill Washington State. Yeah, Capitol Hill, Seattle. Is it Chaz? Chop. Ch- Chaz Chop. It'll probably uh, actually, change. it's all done now, isn't it? It's, it's all Chop done. Chaz. Is it gone? Former. The artist formerly known as. Uh, and I went to this I went to this midnight mass, and a friend took me, and I remember Ooh, M&M. them explaining it to me. I was like, midnight mass? But I'm not Catholic. And they're like, it's okay, it's fine. It's, it's cool. Trust me, it's cool. And this is... 23 years ago. And so I was like, all right, I'll, I'll go check it out. And we went at midnight and there was a ton of college kids there. This is 20 years ago. And it was monks or not monks, priests chanting Gregorian chants. And, and it was cool. And there was something to being there and being silent and not saying a word and hearing this and like, getting way outside of the box in the ways that I was very comfortable worshiping God and experiencing the divine, as you put it, um, Zach. And so um, I don't think at the time I thought this is punk rock, but I thought I definitely left that experience thinking um, that was refreshing. I really liked doing that. I don't think I'd like to do that as my only form of worship, I couldn't do that always, but just like when we go on retreats or we go on uh, like men's retreats and go camping and things like that, those things where we get to get away and they're like, okay, take 45 minutes in silence, go hike and talk to God and pray. Those are things that don't exist in my normal Mm -hmm. wheelhouse. And they're super uncomfortable at the beginning of the the time that we're there and I'm not used to it and I feel rusty and at the end, I'm like, oh, this is good. I love this. I don't do this. I don't ever do this. It feels so great. Um, and and so, like, to round this out, I'm curious if we could see the life cycle of, of people in this age group who are engaging with this. Is this the new normal and it sustains and this is where they've found their home? Or is this, I needed a change of pace for a while because... I, I just got locked into the same old, same old. And it and I I wasn't feeling engaged or impacted when I went to a normal Sunday service. 
And, and after three months they go, okay, well, that was good. I got, you know, I got the oil changed in the oil. Move, moving on. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like now, that was good to do that for a while. And, and maybe that's fine. Maybe I'm not, I, part of me is not saying that like it's a bad thing. Well, if you go back to early history, I mean, even Jesus walking, right. He didn't walk that far. I mean, it's not like going from New York to LA, but in the going to a church and then getting fed or feeling like this is where I need to be and then moving on. I don't see a problem with that. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it opens up your, your community uh, to a broader, a broader population. If there is a kingdom of God. And I say that because I'm required by the bylaws as the agnostic Christian to say, if there is a, a kingdom of God, maybe that's how the kingdom spreads. Wow. I you get frustrated. Don't you, disagree you, with you. You hate church, and so you leave and you go to a different community, or you start one. You start a different community. I mean, maybe it's the Holy Spirit and speaking to, me, to you. Yeah, to me, it was, you just leave a trail of tears behind you. Trail of broken tears, broken relationships. Man, every, sounds like the way that it works. I think I'll, I'll sign up for that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, you're not wrong when somebody's as charismatic as I am, and they leave faith communities. People are broken, a gaping hole. <laughs> like a meteor hit. <laughs> wait, wait, Zach. In church, are you watching me from the stage? Or are you watching me from your own seat? I'm usually behind you. <laughs> and do you, that's how you worship, worship? You just totally oh, disconnect from your you. Well, so that's me Zach and God. Worships through, that's me and through, God. He worships through Z- judging others. Zach, <laughs> Zach, Zach's looking yeah. at me and going, "Man, look at Jeff go." I wish I had a camera right now. Is, is, that's cyn- like is your cynicism convers- a spiritual gift? Is that your conversation? I, worship through, I worship through pointing out production errors in, in the service. That's how I connect with God. That's a terrible distraction. I totally get it. Dear God. Totally yeah. Get totally get it. I'm the same. I love you so much, God. And I know that they don't understand that the, his mic is too low right now. I, so I've I, never, I never feel closer to God during worship music than when I notice... Guitar player looking at drummer, and they both have a little smile on their face because somebody fucked up. And, it's like, <laughs> and they're both like, I got you. I, I saw that. And then most people, usually it's like minor. Although if you look up worship music fails on YouTube, you would have a good time for a while. I do for a while. And then I start to get a little cringy. And then I start to feel bad for those people. Right. Yeah. But some of them are really funny, especially when like that giant 10 foot cross falls on the drummer. <laughs> That's great. Well, this- oh, conversely, from the the fail, when the, there's the smile of like, ah, oh, I saw you mess up there. <laughs> there's that when acknowledgement. You lock eyes with somebody. <laughs> there's also if if the drummer hits the fail or hits the fill, the fail hits the fill and like rolls two beats into the next one, but it continues and it kind of sounds off, but it's not. It's intentional, and everybody's like, oh yeah, you just did that. Those looks are like, ah, oh, they're nailing it, man. There's, I love the the idiosyncrasies of just people and and what you guys are discussing uh, relates. Uh, Andy jumps into my car, uh, new car, oh, yeah. stereo. Andy's like, "What's going on I'm here?" Pressing every button. I mean, he gets into get, the stereo. He's like, "Uh, uh-uh, oh no, no, no." Let's no. get into oh, the no, deep Jeff. settings. Here. <laughs> yeah, hold <laughs> on. Way deep into the, where's the advanced settings? Takes 13 seconds. Andy's got. Oh, my you found the car. eye scanner. <laughs> Our stereo. Did totally you know there's a vibration synced. machine on your seat? <laughs> uh, e pluribus anus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
stupid. Uh, from one, from many, from many anus. To come back, community. To, to come it. back, I really think people find themselves in the right place if they find the right perspective, the lens to look through, and that lens is through following Christ. If doesn't matter where they are, doesn't matter if they've switched churches or they disagree with a pastor or a friend or here on our podcast, ultimately you're looking through a certain lens. So whether these millennials that went to a more traditional uh, church um, found that place, it's got to be good if they're looking through that lens. Nothing will change. Um, they can change people in such a good way if they're looking through that lens of Christ. Or hell, uh, I just said hell, or and I meant that, hell, uh, emphasis, I agree. And in addition to that, Jeff, yes, and people that don't speak the Christian language, like getting in, like where there is love, there is God. And if you're uncomfortable with the idea of God you were given. I think it's important to note that um, if something is true, it it's true. And so if you're a Christian or a God-fearer, whatever that means to you, if something is true, it's God's. And if if you're not into that, if something is true, it's true, and you can... The Bible has words for it. Where there is love, there is God. And where there's not love, God's not there. And that's not saying like God is absent or he's withholding. I think it's our well, perspective. I, I, what do you mean by love? And, no, I'm joking. And I know you're you're doing your Scott. My inner Scott. And I get to say like atheists, agnostics, they get to partake in this. Uh, Praying for you, dad. This flow of just the the flow of love and how you perceive people, how you accept people, how you accept yourself. That reminds me of one of the most important verses, love your neighbor as yourself. If you can't love yourself, you're going to love your neighbor shittily. So focus on how, how do you love yourself? Why do you deserve love? Because you do, in my opinion, no matter who you are, you are, you are a worthy image bearer of God Use whatever whatever language you need to use, and I know this would be shot to hell by Scott, and I want to acknowledge. But that. isn't that the 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 lens through through Christ is how we like that's Jesus's brother or sister? How you how treat you love, them matters. How you love others is how you love God. And I've heard that said. Oh yeah, the, it's so good. And the flip side of that same, is, same. is same old thing. how you think God loves you is how you will love yourself and how you will love others. And I, I think, I hope Scott listens to this because I, I do want his feedback and I do talk to him outside of the podcast, so we'll talk about it. But I don't want his feedback. One of his, what are you consumings from, I don't remember if it was last episode or the episode before, was a book on caring for people. He wants to right. learn how to oh, care yeah. about people. And something I thought about before that I wish I said at the time that could have triggered an argument, but it's worth the conversation. I'm not sure that some people, I'm going to make this general, believe that God really cares about them. They're, it's conditional. And if 
If, oh, that's really complicated, though. It totally is. It totally I is. I mean, to what degree? Well, if we could... Because that's that Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, right? Like the 10th degree. Before I know plans I've set before you like it, I'm not sure when you when you wind Keep that going. one when you wind that one back that that verse back a little bit it's not about the individual it's about God's long-term plan for his people uh, specifically for Israel yeah, yeah specifically yeah, yeah. for Israel and that one gets co-opted a lot into you're not wrong and I agree with you God has God has uh, set out your launch plan it's been used for America to do all kinds of nasty shit yeah um, so uh, so it is, but I'm not sure it, that's the same thing. It might be, it, maybe it could be. Well, that's why I was saying maybe that, that's not what I'm communicating. That's or the I'm nuance, trying to communicate. That's the nuance I was trying to get to, which okay. is like God. What was it that you started with? God cares about me. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Okay. And what? So does, maybe it's, it's. And what does that mean? Do you think you are God or not? God or no God? Are you inherently? Do you inherently belong? And do you have inherent worth? And if you don't believe you do, it's going to affect your ability to love other people. Oh, I think, yeah, that's a different question. Which I think is closer to the way you love other people is the way you love God. And I think if you flip that logic on its head, is the way you feel like God loves you, is the way you can love other people, I I think is a compelling thing to dig into. Um, And I think a lot of Christians are in this conditional mode of pleasing, even though they talk a lot about grace, but it's, it's ultimately conditional and their worth is conditional and their, their worth required, um, requires something of them, whether it's just belief or not, it requires something. And so there's always that question of, am I inherently lovable? And am I, am I worth it? And, um, if you don't think you're worth it, it's going to be difficult for you to see how other people are worth it, especially when they're in a different tribe. Full circle. I had, I had uh, an, a run in today with a woman that's old acquaintance from church. She's left our church, I guess. Was her name Karen? And she said, "I am having. I'm. I'm. I feel like I'm growing. I'm growing as a. I'm growing in my faith. I'm." growing as a Christian. And I, I said, how? And she said, well, I've been so focused on my husband and the things, you know, there's some things he says or does that I just, it, it just was getting to me. And in a bad way. Yeah. And I realized this has nothing to do with him. This has to do with me and giving him grace and, and he's not a believer, and which is very difficult, but a great thing for a Christian to just keep loving. And this, she said, I've been growing in that I put it aside. I'm like, you know what? He deserves to be loved. Like how Jesus, how God sees us, how God sees his children, that is how I want to see him. And so... While I may think what he's saying or doing uh, wrongs me or makes me feel bad or whatever it might be. Were you talking to Lisa? Uh, wow. You need some marriage You guys are supposed to laugh harder at that. That's not <laughs> realistic. <laughs> oh, God. 
Lisa doesn't like her husband. <laughs> but there, That's but therein lies say, right? if if everybody had that perspective in the entire world, there'd probably be a lot of dead people. Um, but yeah. there is a there is a looking at people and seeing like your spouse being like, you know what they deserve to be loved. I'm going to love them, and regardless of how or what they say, or I think that's offensive to me or whatever it might be. I am going to look past that. In fact, that's not even, I'm just going to look right down the middle at their heart. And I know they deserve to be loved and I'm not going to, God loves me. I'm going to love them. Big picture. Details can come later. Big picture. God loves them. I, I think that there's something even to the fact that it, it will take your mind off of yourself as you love other people and takes the focus off of you. And that is the ultimate callback to what social media has done, which is the, it is effectively doing that is a, is a narcissism diffuser, which is the name of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Andy, we've had, you've hosted the podcast. You've gone from special guest to, Special, 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 guests. special person. <laughs> the love, to just wrapping up podcasts now for the BBB. I mean, I just want to. I, I want to do this publicly, Zach. Um, Andy, will you will you be a, a part of? Just so us? everyone knows, Jeff is on one knee right now. Wow! In front of me, Jeff. By the slow way, down, slow down. I need to open the door. I don't feel comfortable slow, slow being down. in a closed room. Don't don't commit to your heart. Just invite him to one more episode. Have you dated every just, type of person first? <laughs> I do like that thought experiment. We'll address it later on. No, we won't. Oh my god! There's no winning in that conversation. <laughs> Oh, I was going to say, hit the other one. Hit Will you be my date music. to the That's BBB right. prom, Andy? <laughs> <laughs> all right, Bros Bibles Beer, at Bros Bibles Beer, no and, for Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and brosbiblesbeer at gmail.com for the feedback. We want to hear what you think because if, we care about you. If you have any complaints, Scott at Bros Bibles and Beer. Nope, you put an N in there. Scott, Scott at BrosBibblesBeer.com. No conjunctions. <laughs> What's a conjunction? Vegetables <laughs> with appendages. Is that a Veggie Tales callback? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>